0: Welcome to Brazen, a weekly podcast where we get down and dirty on how we can live a more bold, curious, and vibrant life. We are your hosts, Callie Hughes, a self-care coach and nurse practitioner, and Valerie King-Maller, a business growth and mindset coach. In this podcast, we are helping women stop people-pleasing and perfectionism, awaken their inner badass, and discover what can happen when we take the lead in our own life. Join us as we explore everything available to us when we brazenly take accountability for our life and well-being. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of The Brazen Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about self-doubt, and we're going to dive into where it comes from and why we experience it. And then Valerie is going to give us five tips for how we can overcome self-doubt and live a more confident and empowered life. So before we jump into that,
1: Valerie, how has your week gone? It's been great. It's been very busy, but I actually a good busy, like Mm. where everything kind of is just falling into place. So I've really loved that. But how has your week been? Same. It's been not as productive as I would
0: like it to have been, but got a lot of good stuff going on. And, you know, we're always having new adventures in our foster care journey. And yeah, Yeah, no, things are good. Things are
1: good. What have you been loving this week? So, this is something that is very out of my nature, but I did kind of an information detox for the last couple of weeks. And it's been really helpful in being able to focus better and not getting so sidetracked by everything that's going on. So I basically didn't listen to any podcasts. I didn't listen to any audiobooks. I didn't get sucked into everybody's like courses and everything that they're offering, and like educational opportunities. And I just kind of focused on what I needed to for the week, which was like really, just really eye opening and super helpful. And I definitely, I've done this before. I did it a few months ago. And I plan to kind of do it periodically because it's just a great time to really focus and not like fall into the shiny object syndrome, which we both have. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, I like that a lot. yeah, Yeah. It was pretty great. It's hard for me because I love learning. And so, kind of shutting myself off from everything was really hard to do at first. But yeah. So, just overall, it was really hard to kind of separate myself from listening to everything. But it was really amazing how much I was able to get done and how reinvested I got into my own work instead of just kind of looking elsewhere for information. Yeah. I find that I kind of get caught up in the
0: always wanting to, you know, sign up for all of the different free Mm -hmm. workshops or challenges and all that kind of stuff. If it seems like something that I might Need someday, yeah. <laughs> and I've been really trying to not do that quite as much and focus on just like, okay, do I need this right now, or am I going to need it in the immediate future? And if the answer is no, it's like, okay, I probably yeah, and circle back to this the next time that they do it or next time it's offered or whatever. Because I just have noticed, I think. It's like the springtime energy for me, Mm -hmm. like makes me feel super ambitious. And I found that like in the last month, probably I've signed up for so many different like free boot camps, Mm -hmm. free challenges, and even a couple of paid challenges that I'm struggling with completing and finishing just because it's like I bit off way more than I could do. So, yeah, maybe the information detox is something that I should try to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and what have you been loving this week?
0: Okay, so I have been listening to a new audiobook called The Myth of Normal: Trauma, Illness, and Healing in a Toxic Culture. And it's really interesting because it's written by two people, it's like a father and son team. And, you know, it really kind of digs into sort of the societal factors in like, you know, the toxic mindsets and traumatizing experiences that a lot of us have as we grow up anyway. But yeah, so this is kind of just something that I'm still in the beginning stages of the book. I haven't gotten too far into it, but I do really like it so far. So I will be sure to update as I progress in the book, sort of like with my updated thoughts and hot takes on it. But it's a really good book so far. It's interesting and eye-opening. I love
1: it. (laughs) It's so perfect for kind of your style of self coaching too. I love that. Self-care coaching.
0: Yeah, totally. And I'm like I kind of fell out of I started it and then I fell out of listening to it just cuz I had so much other stuff going on and then I just recently like in the last week started listening again and it's definitely there's a lot of little nuggets that I'm picking up from it that I'm mm-hmm. like, "Oh yeah, that's a really good point." Like things that I can sort of incorporate into my coaching and stuff like that is definitely super relevant. So
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> so let's dive in to self-doubt and talk a little bit about that. So my initial take on self-doubt is that, I mean, I think everybody has self-doubt. It's kind of just a normal part of the human experience. Like nobody can be confident and self-assured all of the time. But I think the self-doubt that we're talking about here is kind of when it's not just a passing issue and it's more of just the state that you live in. And you're constantly sort of having that negative self talk in your mind, putting yourself down, doubting your abilities, and like not trusting yourself essentially. And so, before we can really talk about how to get over your self doubt, it's really important to understand the roots of where that's coming from. And of course, this is like not a one size fits all kind of a thing because everybody has different experiences that can kind of lean towards self-doubt later in life. It's not always just one root issue, but a lot of times it kind of comes down to like a handful of different things, sort of the main manifestation of self-doubt. Is that negative self talk in your mind? And that oftentimes is like a learned habit and a behavior and thought pattern that has been really well worn in your brain over years and years or decades of just like going down that same track. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And sometimes that can come from. You know, childhood experiences, maybe there was a lot of criticism, or there was like a really high expectation of performance, unrealistic expectations, that kind of thing. And if that is kind of the environment that you grew up in, it's going to really impact the way that your brain works later in life. Because as you're developing and as you're growing from like, you know, a young child through childhood and adolescence and young adulthood, if those are the messages that you're getting regularly, it's really going to impact the way that your brain works later in life. Like those are the messages that are going to be internalized. And you're going to find yourself, it's almost like that phenomenon where it's like you hear that person's voice talking in your mind. Or maybe it sounds like your voice. So you think that it's you talking, but it's the words that you heard Mm -hmm. and the messages that you received as a kid. So that is really one of the biggest drivers of self-doubt because if a parent or caregiver isn't instilling like confidence and like being self-assured and being able to know that you can trust yourself to make good decisions, then, you know, you're going to have a lot more of that negative self-talk and it's going to really hold you back in life because you're not going to feel like you are able to you know, go for that big promotion. You're not going to feel qualified. You're not going to feel like you're able to handle the workload or whatever. You're not going to want to seek out new experiences because you don't have that internal drive and like knowing that you can handle like the learning process. So that's kind of one big piece of it. And then like the cultural aspect of it is also really important to understand. So there's a big difference in the messages that people who are socialized as girls get versus people who are socialized as boys get. Boys tend to be encouraged to go out there, get their hands dirty, try new things, rough and tumble Girls are expected to, you know, be quiet, be polite, be respectful, don't get dirty, don't get messy. So those messages really can impact the mindset. So when it makes me think of that statistic of where like men will apply for a job position or a promotion, If they fit like, I think it's like 30 to 50% of the requirements. And then women don't tend to apply for a job or a promotion unless they meet 100% of the job requirements. And that's where that comes from. I mean, it's like such an ingrained thought process and like bias almost within ourselves. And it makes girls and women feel. So much less sure of themselves and constantly looking outside of themselves for the validation and for the confidence that they need. Whereas boys tend to be socialized to like look within themselves for that. And that's where a lot of that innate confidence and lack of self doubt comes from is being able to just know within yourself that like you are capable. Like, I think that's the biggest underlying message. And so that's kind of a little bit of backstory on where your self-doubt might be coming from. You know, it might have a root in your childhood and how you were raised. But also, even if your parents really raised you to, like, be confident and self-assured and really encouraged you, you're still getting those societal messages that are, you know, really flying under the radar, but affecting how you go through life.
1: Yeah, I really like all of those points. And there are a lot of good books now written about confidence in women in particular. There is one called The Confidence Code for Girls, which talks about just getting messy and exploring. But there's one also that talks a little bit about how women just, even women who are the most accomplished women are still lacking that confidence. And you're like, how can they be lacking confidence? And we can link both of those below so you can read more about it. But the next step is just how do we tackle self-doubt? And I think the first thing, and you talked a lot about negative self-talk, but is just challenging that self-talk. And I think we're naturally wired to focus on sort of negatives and like biologically for survival. But I think with the negative self-talk, it tends to be a vicious cycle where we assume oh, I'm really bad at this particular thing. And then you look through your entire history with that filter. And so you're only seeing every time that you were bad at that particular thing, as opposed to the 80% of other times that you were actually good at that thing. Mm. (laughs) So it becomes this thing where you just reinforce something that's not even factual to begin with anecdotal stories from your past.
0: Yeah, that makes me think of
1: the confirmation bias yeah, that is exactly kind of what it is. And you do it to yourself. Like You just kind of keep perpetuating those feelings of self-doubt. And so the first thing is to just kind of be really self-aware of what is coming up. Like Every time you're about to do something and you hesitate, ask yourself what's going on here and start jotting those things down. And we always talk about challenging it as if it were your best friend saying those things. And you're like, If you heard your best friend saying, I can't like start a business or whatever, and you'd be like, no, you totally can. These are all the ways that you've started something new or basically just like looking at the ways that you've been successful at that thing in the past or times that you've overcome similar obstacles or challenges. So. I think just really writing it down too, I tend to just do it in my head, but it's not as effective <laughs> than if you like write it down and sort of literally write things underneath that prove that in fact is not true. So I think that's like number one. Number two is to focus on past successes. So you can use this to help with number one, or you can just do this as a separate activity. And it's literally listing a hundred times that you've been successful at something or something you're proud of, and it can be really tiny all the way to something really big. We've talked about this in the past, and we totally recommend having it accessible so that when you are having those moments of self-doubt, you can just go back through and be like, yeah, I am kind of a badass. Look at all (laughs) the things I've accomplished. So having that kind of on hand can be really helpful and just continuing to keep the confidence going once you've sort of gotten to the level that you need to be at.
0: Yeah. Um, Keep a list on your phone or something or like write it out and then take a picture of it so that no matter where you are, I mean, we always all have our phones on us. So if you're having a moment of self-doubt, you can always pull that up and look at like the notes app or your picture
1: and be like, no, I am pretty badass. It's true. Exactly. (laughs) I have clients who will look at that list before they go into like a big meeting or Mm. before they do something that makes them a little nervous. So it sort of preemptively gives them that little shot of confidence. So I I think that's a a good little tip. Number three is just to take action and just embrace the discomfort of Mm self-doubt. I know that you and I have talked in the past on the episode about living a brazen life where I can't think too much before I act because that's when the self-doubt creeps in. So Mm -hmm. my thing is, you know, just go out there and do it even with your lack of confidence. And, you know, I think the more you kind of just like put yourself in those uncomfortable positions, the more you can just tune out the self-doubt. And just go for it. And that's just gonna keep building your confidence as you go. Totally. And I'm a little bit the
0: opposite, where I feel better if I'm a little bit more mentally prepared. But the thing with that is to be really careful not to over plan and still be flexible and open to like, you know, shifts and, you know, mm-hmm. just be willing to go with the flow a little bit. But if you're a planner like me, then, you know, that's okay too. You can still, yeah, you can still
1: just like <laughs> embrace the discomfort while being flexible. <laughs> and I would say, if you are someone that's a planner, that I would recommend doing a lot of visualization activities and exercises because that will help you see it unfolding in a positive way. So you're still allowed to kind of not allowed, but you're still able to plan that activity, but with like a positive overtone mm-hmm. and of just being freaked out by it. So, that would be my recommendation. <laughs> Number 4 is to create a supportive network. If you are someone that is prone to self-doubt, it is really important to not be surrounding yourself by with people who are going to kind of discourage you from jumping on new ideas and so cultivating a group of people that you know support if for example you are starting a business or You're planning to leave your job or anything like that. And you are definitely going to have a group of people that are like, that's not a good idea, or we're in a recession, or whatever. Just try to distance yourself from those people and find your group that will be supportive. And it can be people that you already know, or it can be, you know, you can join a mastermind, you can find a mentor, anyone that can kind of support your goals as opposed to like giving you all the reasons why you shouldn't be doing that.
0: Yeah. And one thing that kind of comes to my mind with that is we all have those people in our lives who, you know, when we have one of those ideas or like a thought or a plan we kind of know the people Mm -hmm. who are going to be really supportive. And we kind of have a feeling about the people who aren't going to be super supportive, or maybe they're kind of like a Debbie Downer type and always trying to play the devil's advocate or whatever. And I think when Val says to distance yourself from them, it doesn't necessarily mean that like you're cutting them out of your Mm -hmm. life. But like, you're allowed to not share certain parts of your life with certain people. Like, until you feel like you're in a good place, you're confident, and you're not going to be dissuaded by somebody's like sort of negative or just not super supportive opinion of things. Like, you don't have to tell them. It's totally okay to be like, you know, keeping that little spark or idea Mm -hmm. protected from that until it's strong enough to kind of withstand some criticism, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. And I would also caution if you're someone that's like, oh, it doesn't matter. Someone sort of is negative. I can deal with that. And I'm still really strong about my idea. I have seen time and time again with clients where their parents or their friends or their partner will say something. And even if you think you're immune to it, it kind of is like this little seed that was planted Mm -hmm. that will just really encourage the self-doubt on your own. And it becomes almost a subconscious thing. So I still, like Callie said, you don't need to completely write them out of your life, but you may want to kind of just keep your new idea and goal a secret until you're ready to kind of unleash it on the world.
0: <laughs> yeah. And like, I know that a lot of people might feel, especially say if, cause we've talked before about how your parents generally tend to not be as supportive of like massive life changes that might bring some instability because they want the best for you. And they want for you to have that like Mm -hmm. stable job with benefits and make sure that you're taken care of. And some people might kind of be hesitant to not tell their parents about like a big life change coming up or something that they're thinking about and feel like it's maybe, you know, they're not being like a good daughter, they're being dishonest or anything like that. But just remember, that's one of those thoughts that You can challenge because who says that not sharing every detail of your life is being a bad daughter or being dishonest? You know, it's okay to kind of have a boundary there that is not to necessarily keep them out of your life, but it's more to just protect your own confidence and to allow yourself to lean into your own trust. Mm -hmm. as you're kind of like building your confidence and your strength and whatever your idea or your plan is.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's so accurate. And we've, like you said, we've talked about how parents in particular have that different core value for you than you might have for yourself, which is stability oftentimes. So And finally, the last one is to reframe failure. So if you think of every time that something doesn't go as planned as a massive failure, you're going to kind of rack up all these failures on your list. But if you just see each time when something doesn't go as planned as just one path that you tried and now you're going to move on to a new path, it ends up being a much more productive way of thinking about things that. Won't affect your confidence as severely as if you're like, yeah, I failed 25 times. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, just kind of reframing it as, hey, I tried something, it didn't work. I'm moving on to the next version of that plan. And it can make all the difference in the world.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's something that I had to teach myself a while back is kind of, you know, There is no such thing as failure, Mm -hmm. really. Life itself is a learning process. So, yeah, you're just learning something that didn't work and you can try something else next time. (laughs) Yep. So, that's kind of a little primer on self doubt. So, just to recap, a lot of times where your self doubt might be coming from is just different childhood experiences or you know, relationships that might not have been super supportive as you were growing up. And also the messages that we get from society, especially as girls, it can really impact the confidence that we have in ourselves to go out and try new things and get our hands dirty and be okay with failure. So Valerie's tips for how you can start to move past Self doubt and sort of embrace a more confident and self assured lifestyle and thought and behavior patterns are to challenge your beliefs, focus on your past successes, take action and embrace discomfort, create a supportive network, and reframe failure. So that wraps up today's episode. We would love to hear from you. So if you would like to Send us an email or send us a DM and let us know what you want to try working on first. It kind of helps give you a level of accountability and we want to be able to support you in your personal and professional growth. So let us know what step it is out of those five that you want to start taking this week and If you want to support us and kind of be able to go deeper and take more steps, we have a Patreon option. It's just a few dollars a month, and you're going to be able to get some coaching and resources and support as you build your skills and build your confidence and start to live a more brazen lifestyle.
1: So until next time, keeping brazen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brazen Podcast. We'd love to hear more about your parenthood or child-free journey, so please feel free to email us at hello at brazenwomen.com. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, and share the episode so we can get the word out there. We'll be back here next Tuesday, but in the meantime, keep being brazen.